Hey guys, welcome to episode 36 of the JV Club. This is an episode that was recorded with my friend and colleague, you know, I like to say that sometimes, uh, Kathleen Rose Perkins. She is on the Marvelous Show episodes on Showtime. She plays the character of Carol. And I have to say that um, many, many people who watch the show always comment to me, you know who's so great on that show is the character of Carol. She's like the funniest thing on the show. And I have to say I agree. All due respect to everyone else on the show. I think it's a, a very, very funny, wonderfully written show with great performances. Uh, I'm a little biased because I think Kathleen is is so funny and amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think she's uh, she's she's really one of the shining lights of the show. So I'm so delighted that our schedules finally aligned and we were able to do this recording together. I hope you enjoy the episode. I, um, feel silly using the word episode when she is on a show called episodes, but listen, that's just life. Sometimes those things intersect. There's nothing I can do about that. Guys, thank you so much for all of your wonderful feedback per use. I wanted to give a couple shout outs on Twitter. Are you Etsy? Why AJ is now Eddie Fu, Anna S cat, Russell and Chelsea, also Mike Robert C and Sarah Feminist on Twitter, um, and then Steve K and O'Neill on Twitter. I've been trying to stay on top of Twitter a little bit more because it seems like once those older tweets disappear and I've missed seeing them, they're gone forever. Listen, I don't know that much about Twitter or technology in general, guys. So if I'm wrong about that, you let me know. You know how you get to the bottom and it says load to top, back to top, and you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I think maybe there were a bunch of tweets that I missed somewhere in there. Um, And then I also wanted to thank uh, Amul for a beautiful email and... um, uh, Motsi on the Amy, Amy Acker page. I hope you don't mind Motsi, but I just wanted to read this. I don't usually read whole comments and stuff, but, um, this just made me cry. And, uh, and it's a good reflection of some of the stuff that I received from a lot of you guys. And, uh, and I just wanted to acknowledge it. I hope it's not too patty on the backy. It kind of is, but, um, I just felt like I wanted to read it. So thank you so much for this and all your other podcasts. I'm a freshman in college and have used these to help me survive the piles of homework tests and self doubt that have come with this experience. I've shared this podcast with all the people on my floor and plan to spread the word to anyone who needs a verbal hug. Please keep doing what you're doing. This really matters. Um, I'm like getting choked up even as I read that. So I just wanted to thank you so much, Motsi, for sending that. And um, those of you who have sent me similar comments or emails, uh, just, you know, know that that continues to completely change my world in the most amazing way. And I just wanted to acknowledge that once again, uh, nobody's more grateful than I am. So thanks again. Enjoy this episode and uh, I will talk to you guys soon. Okay, bye. Now entering Nerdist.com. Uh, 
guys, this is another long time coming. Um, I've had a couple of those. I've mentioned that I've had a couple of those because this is a town full of uh, busy, successful ladies. So true. Whose intentions are always good. And I include uh, my guest and myself when I say that. I, I'm proud to say that I think our intentions are good. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot of back and forth about when is this going to happen. And there's some traveling and scheduling and all that kind of stuff that happens. So um, this is, I mean, I want to say we started talking about you doing my podcast before I was certainly before I released my podcast because you were one of the first people I was like oh, I would love to podcast Kathleen yeah I think it was it's, it's like possible it's been years. a year at least maybe two I think it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's, crazy it's over a year oh yeah. definitely over a year well the yeah. good news is that I still have a podcast you do you still have a, <laughs> a life a life I'm living you're a living human being I am I'm still um, here and, I, and if you've been hanging on by the thread of just wanting to make sure you do my podcast before you go anywhere into the afterlife, I um, appreciate yeah. it. I can die now. At, well, after, not now, right now, but I will, <laughs> like after this give is me, done, I Give me a minimum of 55 minutes and then... You got 55 minutes? <laughs> I'll send you on your way, whatever go. that means. <laughs> This could either be, this is like around the corner for being the most grim conversation to ever start a podcast, but <laughs> isn't really because we're not really saying anything other than that you could die directly after this podcast. Well, every, and if that happens, that'll make me really famous because everyone will go, oh my God, I know. did she just kill Kathleen Rose Perkins? Maybe, maybe that would be actually really great for you if I died. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you want to put a silver lining on what I consider to be a fairly dark cloud of the world losing you, <laughs> that would probably be the best thing that came out of it. Yeah. It would be a boon to my career <laughs> as a podcaster, my podcasting career. I don't even know how to feel right now. <laughs> I like, you feel as weird as you should. I'm going to choose to feel good uh, that you said that. I'm going to feel good about this. <laughs> talking about my death that's not right listen everybody has to die and we have to like uh we have to acknowledge that i don't want to die right now i don't want to die in an hour that's okay. for sure but if i had to I, you know i i'm i'm happy with the way it's all gone we, so far i'm just saying we would have a little slice of your personal history laid down in podcast form we better make it pretty good <laughs> this is really your memoirs yeah now you got to jam pack every memory you want to be preserved in in the annals of history in an uh, hour i can get do it that. all out let's can... start with this <laughs> I'm, I didn't. I, I don't know what the name of your African gray parrot is because I, I know you were having a conversation about it with someone else before we started recording. I was not privy to some of that conversation because I was in the other room prepping this podcast. So I would love to know the name of your African gray parrot. His name is Luke. <laughs> he is uh, seven years old, um, and he's 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 special. He's a special little guy. Have you? <laughs> There's so much I want to say. First of all, everyone who listens to the podcast knows that my dog's name is Scott. And I know that people are thinking to themselves right now, I want Scott and Luke to be friends because they are such dude names for animals. It would be kind of cool if Luke could just kind of ride on Scott's head. I, I, I imagine Scott would let that happen. And just kind of, they could go around yeah. together. Um, 
did you have birds growing up? Because birds, this is the thing. I'm not trying to out you as a weirdo because that's, that's definitely weird. not the case. But we don't know. We as a community of people in this podcast, I mean, you're the first bird owner I've known oh, uh, yeah. on the podcast. And, um, and I always... When I'm at pet stores, I am I love birds. I love like colorful finches. In fact, I tried to do a bird feeder um, out here that with with special seed just to attract finches. But sure. I think there are so many ravens and hawks in my neighborhood that the finches are like, <laughs> we're not stupid. We're not going to like you know hang out out here, so they get bullied. But uh, but when I see when I'm at pet stores and stuff, I see birds and I always think oh, it'd be fun to have birds. And I was like, I'm not going to have birds. No. I can't have birds. It's a very specific animal. It's like having a reptile or, you know, some kind of a tarantula, right. a spider, all that kind of stuff. It is a little strange. Um, but no, I never had birds when I was growing up. My boyfriend, Christopher Moynihan, uh, my partner of 13 years. It's so weird to say boyfriend because... I know. At, at a certain point, you're not dating anymore. <laughs> it's not like my boyfriend. It's like... Your boyfriend <laughs> of 13 years? It sounds weird when I say yeah, that. I, know. I feel like a teenager whenever I say that, but he's more than a boyfriend. So my partner... But when I say partner, then everybody thinks, oh, she's a Chris lesbian, is, yeah, which is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But I kind of... At least to, he goes by Christopher and not Chris because it could be even more go. ambiguous. Maybe I should just... Because that's kind of the hot thing to to be a lesbian right now. So maybe I should just kind of live in that. I'm, I'm <laughs> trying my to think partner of all Chris. the lesbian friends of mine who would be like, listen, it's not that hot to be a lesbian it's not. right now. It's still a real struggle. We're trying to get a lot of rights I mean, established. No, I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I find it very cool. I, I find it cool also. Yeah, And also so. not a choice. Yeah, well, um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there's that. But uh, yeah, so, okay, so your partner of 13 years. Yeah, your, so. Your male he, partner of 13 years. He had, he, uh, he is from a family of five. I'm from a family of five. So, and Ooh. all boys on both counts. Oh, wow. I was, I'm the only girl in my family. He's the only girl in his family. <laughs> no, he's the, uh, he's one of five boys. Where so. do you fall in age? Groups. I'm the last. You're the baby. Uh, I'm the baby, and he was the middle okay. uh, kid. And um, he had he they had birds growing up, and so one one Memorial Day weekend about uh, twelve years ago, he said, "I want to get you a bird." <laughs> Because I couldn't have a have a, a dog or a cat in my apartment that I was in at the time. And he just wanted to kind of lift my spirits because I was down at that particular time in my life. And and he said, let's just get go and get a little tiny parakeet or like a fi- just something, a cage bird, a little bird from Petco, yeah. which is now we know that's really not the way to go. <laughs> but we didn't know back then. And I uh, walked into this Petco around the corner and um, saw these lovebirds in a cage. And there were three of them. And now lovebirds... That's they're called lovebirds because they really kind of you should only have two or one uh, because they really bond with one other thing and that's it. So there were three in this particular cage and two of them were like lovebirds. They loved each other. They were so cuddling up and everything. And then the the other one would fly from one side of the perch to the other side of the perch, and each time she landed the one that was next to him would nip at her. (gasps) And so she was just not accepted in that group. And I was like, I got to get that bird. I don't know anything about birds, but I got to kind of save that bird. I, you know, I took it. I was like, I'm going to save that bird. (laughs) 
please. I absolutely would too. Right? And so... Th- I would be like, and I need you to put those two birds to death. Yeah, those guys are mean. Yeah. I don't like those guys. Uh, but I took that one home and named him George because I thought it was a boy. And um, I had that... I, I have, still have George. Um, I have George and Luke. George is my lovebird. I've had her for 12 years. And I found out that she was a girl when she started laying eggs. Um, oh. So now she's Georgia, Georgie. But she's still George, George. George, yeah. Well, but she's a girl. Uh, a bit, something a bit odd. Because uh, you Regular can't listeners tell. will know this. Yeah. Regular li- listeners will know this. But I had two mice when I was a kid. And they were both girls. And one of them was named George. There we go. See, a full circle. I know. We're getting it out. I know. I can die at the end of the <laughs> And everything's so going to be so right. Good. Yeah. So far, so good. So far, so good. So Luke, so, the, and so I'm fascinated. So Luke, okay, so George is a lovebird and Luke, um, and they I'm don't fascinated like each by, other. and they don't like each other? They don't like each and other. And do they cohabitate in any kind of way no. that it doesn't force them to interact in no. any way? She, she stays in my office and he stays in the kitchen and they never the tw- twain shall meet. Yeah. <laughs> they never, yeah. they never, cause he will, he will take her head off Ooh. and she wants to have babies with them. So there's a whole, <gasps> there's a whole dichotomy. And she, it's very dangerous for birds to lay eggs because they lose a ton of calcium and so you have to really try and repress that Uh, and if she's around him she will start laying eggs and how crazy is that one day i woke up and found an egg in her cage and at that time i thought it was his cage so i was like oh my gosh it's a girl it's a girl it's a well it's not a girl it's a female yeah (laughs) So I had, it took me about two weeks to kind of change my mind, like to to, to go, no, that's a, she's, it's a, oh, it's weird to. That's so interesting. No, I mean, I totally understand if I, same thing. Like if I had, if I suddenly found out Scott was a girl, it's great. No, it does. (laughs) It's, it, it really, it's sort of an interesting, it's, it's an interesting litmus test and it's an interesting it's it, of course I'm making this political, but like you know, because there is you know my one of the people that I podcast uh, on the JV club is my cousin Julian, who was born female, but who has since transitioned to being male, and you know the the immediate part of the process when you you so like if you're lucky enough to have a family who immediately accepts it or who accepts it gradually, but you know does it with love or whatever. Oh, there's not you. It's, it's you, not you, immediate. You want, yeah, It'll you, never you be want immediate. to like, like I guess speaking for my family, we were so on board for it that the, the what we wanted to do right away was like make his transitioning as easy for him as possible, and immediately start referring to him as he, and immediately start calling him Julian and not Julie, and. We like overdid it, you know what I mean? Because we were right. trying so hard to sort of be quote like PC about it or however you want to think about it. And <laughs> Did you have like ha- banners? Welcome home, Julian, buddy, guy, Mister, you, you, sir. <laughs> and you know, and and again, that's coming from a place of us not even being that surprised and us totally embracing it. So even to be like a family member who really struggles with it, but who ultimately loves their you know son or daughter and wants to support it, it's still a process. And I think it's such an interesting little microcosm litmus test, gender test, you know, just a gender conversation for you even just to figure that out with a bird and realize this is a little bit of a mind fuck guys. Yeah. Sorry, you know, I don't say fuck very often, but might as well. I am for allowed this to one. listen. <laughs> 
<laughs> gender Listen, stuff. Listen, it doesn't get any more intense than finding out a bird is a she when you thought it was a he. How appropriate, too, because gender is kind of, it comes out of fucking, so... There you go. Thank you. Let's do this. I (laughs) use it in a scientific context. It's a hundred percent justified. So that's so interesting. So there was the egg. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Look at it. It is. You get to keep your birds apart because because George wants to. She wants to have sex. She rubs her uh, self on the rope that is in you know because she's a sexual she wants to have sex she wants to have sex <laughs> and you are keeping her from that i'm keeping her from doing that would you ever but so you and would never get a guilt. meal there's guilt so, there, there, so there's but. nothing you there's nothing you can do you can't like spay a bird the way you spay a cat or a dog not really um i there are there are medications i can give her when she started laying eggs i can give her a medication that would repress that and she's and lived she, so long yeah she's 12 years she she uh, they have the lifespan 12 to 15 years so and she's a really healthy sweet little bird who's got plenty of energy so uh yeah she's 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 doing good and she's incredibly sweet and she's not I've she got to come not, over asap yeah you should meet her cuz she's a she's lovely all she wants to do is be around people and and be close to your face oh my god i love this it's sweet you love birds you see a lot of bird Maybe not so much in the den because this is more of a bug room, but birds um, are big right now. I do love uh, birds. Like uh, emblems of like yeah. b- embroidered birds are yeah. every birds yeah. are a big deal. Birds are a big deal. Everybody's trying to fly. Well, I'll tell days. you what. I've loved them. I've always loved them, and I got a lot of birds to show for it. I love quail because I'm from Arizona, and that was always like such a joy. Especially getting up in the morning to go to school, I had to take. Uh, two different buses to get to my magnet school and two sounds pretty sprawling. So my, like my, my elementary school was, you know, probably just a, a regularly, at least a, like a half hour drive, maybe longer. And then when you have to go through multiple bus stops and get, you know, you get picked up and then it's like out of the way and the bus route and all that kind of stuff. I'm not even sure what time I had to get up in the morning, but it was like always dark, early, always dark yeah. going to the bus stop. And one of the only perks to that was uh, was seeing little families of quail running in the desert oh, and running on the streets in the very awesome. early morning. And they are so effing cute. Like yeah. little plump, cute mom quail with like six little babies following in a perfect line behind her. Just That's great. With their, moving as fast as their little tiny legs can carry them. It's pretty adorable. I don't know what it is about my upbringing but once you said that i thought you meant eating quail <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what no, that i've never eaten quail me. for for the reason that i just stated my my uh, but i do eat meat so it's not like i mean I, eat, I guess i eat poultry i don't eat beef but i was right about to say oh i love quails eggs are great the eggs well, you are can fantastic eat, what, no but that's okay quail egg that's just an egg it's i eat eggs egg. do you I know don't... what an egg is <laughs> well like Basically, it's, it's an unfertilized. It's an unfertilized. Yeah, and some people even it's eat like fertilized eggs. It's somehow. like a, a yeah. A, we're eating a period. Mm-hmm. You made a really the best, nice, rinse, neat, just best grimace, delicious, <laughs> nutritious, yolky, creamy period. period. <laughs> oh, that's so... All right. Well, whatever. I can die now because I actually I should die now because after this is aired. I'm going to look like an, a total sex-crazed idiot. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. 
Weirdo. Okay. We've covered so much in 15 minutes. I'm I don't not even that know. strange. I'm not that strange. Oh God, I love it. I love that you have a bird. I love, but this is the, this is going back to what I was going to say. Well, I guess I didn't know I was going to say it until I had the evidence lying in front of me. But now I feel I have discovered that I'm curious to find someone and I welcome the listener to uh, send me a tweet. That's good. That's actually oh, very good. Very appropriate. Tweet, very appropriate. Um, <laughs> first of all, I want you to cook yourself up a couple of nice periods. And then when you're satiated, I want you to send me a tweet. But I'm wondering... This is why I asked if you had birds when you were little, because it seems like a thing that is like only if you were raised around pet birds, would you then get a bird? Well, and I'm just curious. Was, yeah, that's why. Like, I, he, like the fact that you ended up telling me when you said I never had them as a, as a, as a youth, I thought this is fascinating to me because it would never, it seems like a, a learned behavior to feel yeah. comfortable getting a bird. And I wonder who buys birds who never had birds as right. a kid. Um, and the fact that you said that Christopher had was like, there you go. That makes sense. It yeah. was, it, it made sense to him and it was a great alternative to a dog and a cat. And all we had growing up was dogs and cats. So I was like, but the thing is, is I'm, I'm a really, I love animals, love animals, any kind of animals, love eating animals, love, love, an, love, love eating their periods. <laughs> I love it. Love it. No, I, um, and so I always thought of myself as that. Do you remember there was a cartoon that had a, it was like a, like, um, Tiny Toons or something that was, there was an Almira character who, it was kind of based off of the Lenny character and, um, uh, uh, what's that? I love them and squeeze them and hold them oh, forever. Of mice and men. Like you just hold. Yeah. Until you crush it. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm like that. <laughs> I just I know cannot get enough of, yeah. of How do you feel animals. about bunnies? Because I am the, that, because speaking of mice and men, I am the most like that about rabbits. Ooh. Just like of mice and men. Which is to say, I don't want a pet rabbit. I don't have one. I can't. I mean, I couldn't even get a bird now having a dog and a cat. But Have you ever had a pet rabbit? I've never had a pet bunny. But, oh, you're, or are you shaking your head? Like, well, is it bad? No, I, that was my I just first. Think they're so. That was my first. They're animal. so tiny and they're so soft and they're little quivering noses and they're really, big eyes. Really easy to crush. Ooh. You didn't crush your bunny. I did didn't you? crush my bunny. I, I froze it to death. Which oh, great. No. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? So sad. I had this little bunny and what it was, was a rust colored bunny, so, bunny. So I called her Red. Mm-hmm. She was gorgeous, but my family hated her and we had this covered porch. But I lived in Michigan. I grew up in Michigan. And the, the, the winters are terrible in Michigan. But I think she actually lived through a couple of winters on that porch. She, she, she weathered the storm for a couple of years. But, man, the third or fourth year, I think, we, I woke up one morning and just walked out to a hard bunny carcass. <laughs> and it was crushing, oh, crushing. God. And my... I was little. I was like five or six, and my brothers found it utterly hilarious. <gasps> so it was. Uh, oh god! That's uh, so. I'll never have another bunny because it oh, was a pretty traumatic experience. Because I felt really guilty oh, about really? doing that. Like, why didn't I just that the winter? What an animal <laughs> in a Michigan Poor winter. Red. But you. But your parents. I mean, that you were so little. 
I mean, not to like it's put everything on your fault. parents, but to be honest, it yeah, well, you wouldn't know any different. I mean, you know what your parents tell you is okay or not okay. And yeah. if they decide, if they felt that it was okay for the bunny to be out there, then why would you think otherwise? Listen, my parents fucked up so much. They f- really did. <laughs> really? <laughs> Above well, and beyond the the red situation, are they no, still together? No, they 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 norm they did it uh, in a really normal capacity, but we're yeah. all f- fucked up in certain ways. We all have our issues. Are they are they still? Nobody's together? a serial killer. Nobody's yeah. that I know of. None of my brothers are killers. You wouldn't so. know if they were. So don't mm. don't ca- don't mm. discount it yet. <laughs> don't discount it yet. Right, Everyone's exactly. always surprised. Everyone's always surprised. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, do, so yeah, I'm now I have now I have to keep answer, asking this question because the, all my listeners will be like, okay, Janet, stop asking her if her parents are still together. But I'm no, but I they're not. They're okay. not. They they split when I was 13, and that was that was huge, traumatic, and a big time for for. And I was the youngest. Yeah. How old were your brothers when they split up? So I was 13. My uh, brothers were. 15, 17, 19, and 20. So two of them, were they still, was everyone still in the house? Or were two Me couple and my, my youngest brother were still in the house. Um, everyone else was at college, or m- my middle brother was, was about to go to college. So, And this is still in Michigan? Mm-hmm. Where yeah. in Michigan? Uh, just outside of Detroit, about 30 miles outside of Detroit, in um, New Baltimore, Michigan, okay. home of the famous Fish Fly Festival. <laughs> So well, we've I, I I don't think an episode's gone by when I haven't brought up the Fish Fly Festival. Yeah, they're they're fascinating. I get it. Never heard of it. Don't know anything about it. Don't even know what that is. What's a Fish Fly Festival? You want to know? I do. This is fascinating. It's kind of fascinating. I find it fascinating. Look, we have. I lived on a bay, and in uh, there are certain um, <laughs> mostly rivers and lakes in the world that have this certain type of larvae, larvae that um, create ma- mayflies. They call them mayflies. They basically live dormant uh, on algae in the water all year round and then um, rise to the surface uh, usually in May. But in our, our circumstance or, you know, in our little town, they rose to the surface in June and they would cr- uh, become these little flies uh, that smelled like fish um, and they would hover and kind of take over the entire town, like cover the entire town. When you were driving your car, it sounded like you were driving on snow because you were driving on fish flies. And um, we, and that took, they took over the town for usually around two weeks. They would just cover. And basically you would go out, if you went outside, you would have to, before you came inside again, you would have to get de-fish-flied because you'd have oh fish flies. Oh my God. I can't believe this is just a normal thing that if you're in that climate and in that part of the world, it's just a, it's just like a, a part of life. Part of life. Plus we're Michiganders, so we don't have much summertime to begin with. So we're not going to stay indoors or go I ain't gonna away. going to let no fish fly we're keep me from having a good time. We're going to celebrate it. To the point where we have a festival, crown a queen, a fish fly festival queen. We have a parade. We have like all these unregulated 
terrible rides come in and these carnival people put on this big carnival. We have a beer tent. I mean, we do it. <gasps> oh, my God. And that is that the is... most questionable honor to be the Fish Fly <laughs> Festival queen I can possibly imagine. Dude, I always I always wanted to be the Fish Fly, fish fly queen, the queen of Bayorama. That's what they call it, okay. the Bayorama Fish Fly Festival. And it was... Um, and we said Bayorama, not Bayorama, because we're from Michigan. So we were like, are you going to the Bayorama? Let's oh. get up there. Let's go on the, you know, the, the roller coaster. Well, there was no roller coaster. <laughs> we got to get on that Ferris wheel. It was, it oh, was. Um, I love everything that's happening right now. Yeah, it was, it was perfect. But the thing is, is that I, you know, from the ages of uh, there- zero to 18, I just took that as Every town in America had something like that. That that just happened. Fish flies were everywhere because that's all I knew. And then I left and spent a summer away because I was in college or something and realized it doesn't happen anywhere else. It doesn't happen really anywhere else. Just a few little pockets of the world. So... Um, it's crazy that the, 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 the idiosyncrasies of the, the geographical place that you grow up, like how it informs you and how, how, what it does for you, but also that nobody else can understand that. It's just a, it's just a weird specific thing. And everybody, but everybody, I have that thing with everybody that I grew up with. We grew up with fish flies. And that's our, that was our summer fish fly yourself. Yeah. You'd have to go, you'd, you'd want somebody to come out. If you were alone, you'd want somebody to come out and say, can you get the fish flies off me? (laughs) That is so amazing. Were there like, um, for, would would you, I mean, was there like, uh, like on the banners? Was there like, I mean, were were there flies like depicted like, like a cute little fly? Totally. I think it was probably called Frankie the fly or fish fly or something like that. And he had really big bug eyes and they're, they're, uh, I'll I'll send you a picture of what they look like. It's a really it's a very strange but the entire town smelled like dead fish because these things and here's the thing they rise to the surface, they cover the town and they're own, they don't eat, they don't have mouths. What they do for a day, they only live for a day, 24 hours. All they do is procreate so that they can lay more eggs into the um into the bay and they lay dormant for the next year until they rise to the surface so it's this lovely cyclical thing so they they fuck for a day oh my God. <laughs> then die smell like fish and we celebrate it <laughs> I, I love it yeah i i, I love it and it's the one. Do thing- I want to go experience it for myself? I don't think so. You do. You do. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. There are things that I hear about that I think to myself. I would like to put that on. I'm not going to say the bucket list. And your bucket list, by the way. I hope you're fulfilling in every way because it could be that this podcast is the last thing you do. Uh, right. I, I I don't know that, that but like that. I don't know that this makes it. This might be something I just want to hear about anecdotally. I don't know if I need to have flies picked off of me. Oh, but to have they said, don't like, hurt I have you, the and they don't like. Yeah, yeah there's something well, really actually very sweet about them, and I, I'll tell you, it's the thing I miss the most about oh. because. It, but it was a yeah. lot. It was a big part of my childhood, like riding your bike up to Bayorama and Penny Candy, getting some candy and a that way candy of and- the, the the special ways. To your point of of marking time in a very specific, unique, 
community way that you don't even realize, like you said, is that, that special? special? Like I associate, yeah. there are three memories that have come up for me based on the three things you said. Number one is a non-insect related memory, which is that <laughs> our version of that, the best I can offer up is in Tucson, um, was the U of A, the University of Arizona had something called the spring fling every spring where they would bring in rickety, unregulated uh yeah it was like a fundraiser for the university and that was really really fun because you know arizona doesn't have like amusement parks you know people right there's no like disney there's no disneyland there's no there's like a water park there's a water park outside of tucson that's really it and so um so getting to ride on a ride i mean i was lucky because my dad we had family and friends who lived out here so we would go to disneyland once a year or sometimes twice but you know by and large that's that's it it's really exciting when the circus comes to town or the carnival or however you want to think of it and so i have very positive memories of that and it is a way of marking seasons in a different way than you know you would without those things coming into town the other thing that it reminded me of is how much i enjoy or enjoyed it's gotten too crowded now but um the 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 screenings at the hollywood forever cemetery that they do in the summer are now so so overcrowded that i just can't get into it because it's like the line to get into the great you know the cemetery and but um but for those of you who don't know, which I don't know why you would unless you live in L.A., but they, the Hollywood Forever Cemetery is this great historic Hollywood cemetery in the middle of town. And there are a lot of famous people there. I think at least a couple of the Ramones are buried there. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this giant mausoleum. And in the summer, they have, you know, you can bring a picnic and they project old movies. Not necessarily all old, but uh, classics. Only, I like, saw Pee-wee's Big Adventure. That's there, which the, was, yeah, Pee-wee's Big And that was that is when it gets crazy. The, Pee- the Pee-wee fans fantastic. turn out. But I've seen yeah. like... Um, some like it hot there and like the apartment and it's I tried to go to ones that were a little bit less frenzied in terms of fans because yeah. once you get into like the shining is playing at the cemetery then you know <laughs> everyone is going you're not getting in yeah. yeah so um but I but what this brought up for me is that I don't know if you've been there in June but in June the June bugs who bury themselves in the ground in the cemetery um, come up when the sun starts to go down. And so there's a DJ that plays before the movie starts, before the sun goes down, as everyone's settling in and eating their snacks and drinking their wine and whatever. And in, during the month of June, um, and I haven't been the last year or two, maybe two years, so maybe this something's changed. I mean, global warming is very real, so I don't trust any <laughs> weather patterns or any like old traditions right. anymore with nature. But, um, but, uh, but the DJ would have to like, turn down the music and say, all right, everybody just want to, for those of you who don't know, uh, it's June bug season. So for the next like 10 minutes or so, there are going to be these little copper colored beetles coming up out of the ground. They're going to flit around. Some of them might get in your hair and stuff, but they're perfectly harmless. <laughs> just try to stay out of the way, you know, let them do their thing and then they'll go up and have their night cause they're nocturnal. Um, and so I, I sort of love that. And that sort of sounds familiar. Yeah, like if like, you didn't know okay, that to be a thing, just, you would go, ew, that's so weird. Yeah. And then the other thing for me with, um, Tucson, and I don't know if this is true. I actually don't really know if this is true elsewhere, but in Tucson, in terms of weird things that you do, we have cicadas, um, yeah, every sound, summer, yeah. which is one of my least favorite sounds. Because I associate it with being trapped inside, still too hot, and it's too hot to do anything, and it's summer break, but you can't do anything because it's too hot, which is such a, it's like, what a a tease, that you don't have to go to school, but you don't want to do anything else because it's too hot. But um, but the cicadas shed their their skin at a certain (laughs) point in in cicada season, and they leave these perfect, perfectly preserved 
like kind of translucent shells. shells that are still attached to the tree bark because it literally looks like a tra- like a see-through bug. It's like a skeleton, and that includes the little legs. Oh. It sheds its own skin, leg skin. Everything. So they they're Do just people- these little six spiny legs still attached and so that's one thing that you would do when you were bored in the summer is you would go pick around them. and just pick take collect cicada shells do and then you would grind make, them all into oh. a dust like at the end you'd be like ah and then you would just like grind them all up and the people, dust would there's got to be cicada skin art i'm sure you're right and i don't know there's why i'm not googling to be an art you need to buy some cicada skin art i gotta write there this has down. to be somebody in tucson who's like i can make a wonderful um uh, or like to bronze cicadas, <laughs> like bronzed cicada, right. like the way you can get like gold dipped, like like leaves, totally aspen leaves and stuff. Cicadas. Um, I'm writing this down. Cicada shell art. Art question mark. <laughs> uh, I say this almost every podcast now, but Jules, um, it runs our uh, our Pinterest account, and she will take all of the stuff that we talk about and find visuals to oh. accompany it. So you'll, there will be like a Kathleen Rose Perkins board, Pinterest board that has all of this different stuff. So there will be pictures of, I'm assuming fish flies, Good. mayflies, and now probably cicadas yeah. and quail. And I don't know how she's going to quail eggs. I'm sure no I, need jewels to like eggs, depict periods. Fried egg. Just no, <laughs> yeah. no, no need to find like a, a tampon. Yeah. You don't no, have to worry about no that too. Yeah. No, no don't need. do it. Um, do not. So your parents divorced. So your parents divorced when you were 13. That so, would be, can I? Oh, oh. all right. Uh, yeah. I just thought about, uh, t- okay, go on. This is bad. I'm not even going to say it because then I'll sound really gross. So let's just keep well, going. I don't think, I don't know if we can get any grosser, but it's right? been, uh, but I guarantee you it's been a joy for everyone involved. At least I hope it has. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, we will see. Oh, we'll see. Um, you're, yeah. So, uh, so your so your parents split when you were as a baby with you and your brother living in the house when you were thirteen, which is exactly the age that that we talk about when we talk about some of the history part of the podcast, which is you know be, you being an adolescent, hormones are raging, um, probably getting ready to start high school in a year or so, and your parents are like, and by the way, our, your life is about to drastically change because we're getting a divorce. Yeah, and I think that like uh, my my version of it. Up until, well, I started going to full-on individual therapy for the last four years. So so up until I started therapy, I really kind of thought about it as like, it was kind of a lovely time for me because I was 13, so I was really self-involved. And um, I was living in a house that was full-on male-dominated. I have four older brothers. My dad, uh, they all were like full-on sports. It was all sports, 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 sports. And I had really no say. Like, I whispered all of my words the first five, six years of my life because I just had no voice at all. So um, when I was 13 and just discovering boys and not really being able to have like a boyfriend because I would be utter, utterly humiliated by my brothers, you know, and did your brother's friends ever like, Oh, I wanted them to, but no, no, I was, I had crushes on every single one of my brother's friends. Like they, they'd have at least one friend who I was like, Oh, he's so dreamy. Yeah. (laughs) But, but no, nobody was like, I was, I was not a like, 
I, I was a not necessarily a tomboy, but kind of like a, not a goofy kid either, but just not, I wasn't like this hot little sister. That's for sure. Right, right. Uh, so, uh, so I, it was kind of the perfect time to go away with my mother into this little condominium down the street in the same town and get away from this maleness and then just go create a little, a little home with my mother, a female home that's got like, you know, ribbons and (laughs) pink and all that kind of stuff. And, and I, I relished in it. And I always thought that it, it was a really easy time for me. <laughs> Subsequently in theater, I fig- or theater in therapy, which is basically yeah. the same Interesting. thing. Um, I realized that, yeah, it was a traumatic thing. And I kind of had to, uh, I was, uh, I had to spin it. I was a spin doctor and had to think, think of it as only a good thing because otherwise, um, it would have been too, um, traumatic traumatic of a, of an event to experience as a 13 year old girl so so that's how i looked at it and that now it totally makes sense yeah and now since kind of and i think that i really could only deal with it in my 30s and that's that's when it came up and that's how i've 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 been able to process it and that doesn't mean that you don't later. have to and then, yeah and that doesn't mean that all of the positive stuff that you took from it goes away it doesn't like no, like all, all of the stuff you just described does sound like there's that's the upside you it know and really you really was. celebrated the upside and that's what you focused on yeah for one and reason I think or another that's the only way i could 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 uh survive it if if i just went this is great this is awesome i can't wait i hate boys i hate living with my brothers but i uh, now i can process the loss of the relationship with my father the relationship with my brothers at the time and and how it affected my relationships and, and and also how was your mom i mean was she sort of in the same space as you like we're gonna do this together like she she i learned that spinning from her i that she was like uh, she was desperate to know to justify her her choice because she's the one who asked to leave she's the one who said i can't take this anymore and she wanted to become this independent woman so you know, from the ages of 13 to 18, she was like, we don't need a man. Mm. <laughs> it was all about like, sisters just, are doing it for right? themselves. We're going to do it. And we're going to take over. And we're going to, and she was, uh, she was desperate to prove that to herself and to her daughter. And, um, that f- fucked me up in a certain way. Well, how, did, <laughs> so, yeah, how did that affect your, your, your experience with guys for that time period when, you know, when as a, as a straight teenage girl to kind of be in that space where like now it's now you might be able to start having like i don't know i mean i, I, had, I, guess I had boyfriends when i was little but you know was, that's sort of like like as you're really sort of experimenting with like what you think of as grown-up romance right. kind of stuff and sex kind of stuff i was really bad at it i made a, some bad choices there there you know that's when you start experimenting with drugs too and i i didn't do anything more than smoke a little weed uh, but alcohol was big in my community and, and in my uh, at the time in my high school and so there was always alcohol around and that that is that will screw a kid up too and the gr- um the great thing is and i also started <laughs> i started hanging out around with the wrong ladies 
bad girls, bad girls. We got, I was um, arrested for shoplifting when I was 14 years old. I knew I sensed that kindred spirit yeah. in you. Yeah, crazy. I was, a, I was, I was a mess. I was a little bit of a mess. But it was fun, but I was a mess. Right? But it was fun. It was it was both. <laughs> it I don't, was I guess both. I always say this. I don't want to encourage, you know, I do have some young listeners and I don't, I am, I, I never want to encourage you to make bad choices, but I also don't want to lie to you and say like, sure. Was it fun? Sure. Would I go back and do it the same? I would because uh, I'm the person that I am. Yeah. But, oh, you know, that what? doesn't mean like your parents are worried about you for a reason. I'm, I'm, I, 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 for me, I would, if I could go back, I would change probably two things i really really would yeah i'd love to change a couple of things yeah but you're right it's i am who i am because of those things too so it's a kind of double-edged sword but it's like would you but but it's like would you want to see someone else do it or go through it and that's why that's what i try to connect with because i don't have kids um and i feel so connected to that person that i was and i don't know if i always wonder about you know my friends who have who have teenage kids um I'm so curious if they feel more connected to their teenage selves or way further away because now they have this perspective of being a parent and all the years leading up to of parenting leading up to being a teenager. All I know is that I just feel so close to the person that I was when yeah. I was a teen. And so I try to sort of in the volunteer work I do or whatever too is like just try to help bridge the gap in some way and go, listen, I Get it. I totally get why you're making all the choices you're making and no one can tell you not to and you're going to make them anyway, whatever they end up being. But just know that, the you know, there's a reason that your parents are worried about you and it is. It's like, it's like, it's like that. It's like, I wouldn't change the choices that I made, but I, there's no way that my drug use didn't create a lot of problems for myself emotionally later and i'm sort of wear them as a badge of honor in a way because i do i'm proud of the work that it's caused me to have to do and stuff but i would never want anybody else to go through it and that's what your parents guys are are thinking or or maybe you're not and those of you who are parents who listen to the podcast you can tell me if i'm wrong but i just think that there's the element of that which is that when you fiercely love someone you don't want them to have to learn the same kind of mistakes in the same kind of hard way you don't want them to go through any pain and there there was a lot of pain involved with making those kind of choices uh uh, but you're right it's 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 it it i don't know anybody who hasn't gone through it and i don't know that it's necessarily you know what my my boyfriend christopher uh he he's never been a drinker um he really ha- he like tried it once and decided he really hated that feeling and never got into the taste because it is an acquired taste you have to get over the hump and he never and he was so confident in a way for at a very young age that he never really kind of gave into it so uh and I think he also had ex- like uh, uh, people in his family that were really uh, like he saw what it did to uh, certain people that were really close yeah. to him in a, in a bad way that it, it it kind of really really hurt them. So um, so he made that choice, and, and uh, up until still now, he's he's a non drinker, and he um, so he never had to learn that lesson, um, and that's just how he had to go. But some people can kind of learn by other people's mistakes. And then some people have to learn their own ways. And I think that if I could, you know, I think that this is lovely. What you're doing is sharing experience, especially for women, um, 
in that age is, a, you know, sharing that experience is the only way that you can get through to anybody to try and teach them or to tell them or to help them not make mistakes or to help them avoid pain. Yeah. Um, I think that's the best way to do it is to just share your own story. And that goes for, and that what that's, what's been so great about this. And what I think, you know, we all respond to in our friendships and our relationships throughout our lives in our adulthood is that you still seek answers in the same way. And you still feel like super miserable on some days and like you're on top of the world on the next. And like to feel like that sense of community where people who like talking about the fact that they all feel that way is stretches so far beyond adolescence that it's just like perennial, you know, it's something that we can all continue to grow out of and through. Oh, it's uh, such a relief too. Right. It's It's such a relief to hear that. Oh, I'm not the only idiot. (laughs) I'm not the only stupid, you know, the only one who makes mistakes. Everybody, everybody does some really selfish stupid idiotic stuff and it's okay it's okay it's okay and it's okay to not judge them and not judge yourself yeah and and just learn from it i did the segment on HuffPost live a while ago that uh i might have talked about on the podcast before but uh it was just i just pitched this idea because i was reading this article about self-esteem versus self-compassion and there's just like a little bit of stuff like floating around in the kind of self-help ether uh about which obviously has a very bad attachment to it and uh and i'm as a person in the comedy community i've made you know done my share of making horrible fun of it yeah um but you know this idea of self-esteem sort of being um dangerous in the sense that sometimes you can forget to be compassionate because you're so busy trying to always feel great about yourself that it's it becomes like oh i i screwed up and somehow the compassion doesn't kick in. It's more like, I'm supposed to feel great about who I am all the time and be confident. And that's how like good things, I'm, tra- I'm going to attract great things to me because I always feel like I'm, I'm the best person in the world. And I read this, uh, even just like a comment from someone I think who had read the article who was like, it took me a really long time to realize that I'm not great in groups. I'm not great socially. I'm not great talking about myself. And um some of those things that people would say she seems to have low self-esteem because I'm not comfortable. I'm shy in a group. Guess what? I'm self-compassionate and I feel really good about the person that I am. And part of that is, uh, is about acknowledging that like, that's not my thing. Yeah. My thing isn't to be outspoken and like, you know, friendly and like to talk to everybody. Like it takes all kinds of different people to make a balanced world. And that there are some qualities that people have that kind of go against what we like classically define as self-esteem and or Mm -hmm. confidence. And that we need to be better about understanding that, you know, our differences and our flaws and our willingness to acknowledge our flaws and be compassionate about our flaws are the only way that we're going to continue to like move forward and grow as people. Yeah, they can be accepted and also not rank you as like, uh, oh, that person is better than me because they're wittier and they, they're, they're quippier. They can, can come up with a wonderful quip or they're great in a room and they can kind of just hold a, hold a, you know, an audience. Some people are just not that way, but, but that, it's okay to not be that way. And or that, think the that person who was putting that off is actually masking like the most intense self-loathing ever. You never know. You never know. 
they could or it's they all could or they couldn't right. yeah exactly exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. um so what so when you were in high school were you outspoken were you i know you were hanging out with the bad girls um were you sort of like a follower in the bad girls or was there sort of like an was there an equilibrium and power or was there like a leader you know what i mean okay here's the thing in uh, fifth grade, I was in Mr. Campo's class, and my, uh, the most popular girl in school was um, Dawn Kaptrowski. She was gorgeous. She had a lots of money. Her family had lots of money, and she was like the coolest girl in school. And I made her laugh because she would ask me. She would ask me about like for my homework. I was the nerd who had great great homework and she would kind of ask for my help with math or something and I would just make her laugh during uh, hanging out with her for that. And one day at lunch she was like, "Hey Kathy," cuz I was known as Kathy back then. Um come on over and you know sit with us. It was like just right out of a movie, oh, right, mister? Um I got your cat is about ready to Yeah, she's uh she's- <laughs> Missy, I'm sorry. She's well. That's okay. Listen, she's not going to lay any eggs to give you the clue that she's female, <laughs> but she is female. That would be crazy if she did. <laughs> um, she so she was. Uh, she asked me over and I was like, oh, I don't have my homework with me. I don't have my book with me. And she was like, no, just to hang out. And I was like, oh, my God, I made it. Oh, I'm my in God, the a, total John I'm Hughes in movie. A crowd. <laughs> yeah. And then I just started hanging out with the most popular girls in school. But I was kind of like their crony. I was the uh, the goofy clown. Like, that we let you laugh. in. We're yeah, great because we you let you into this. And, but we're the ones who get the guy and stuff yeah and are pretty and all that stuff and then in eighth grade when we went to our like last dance of the year um i i got this pretty dress and my my brother's girlfriend at the time knew how to do great makeup so she did my makeup and my hair and i went all dolled up and i was i felt so good about myself and i would just talk to boys and flirt a little bit and i was like coming out of my shell i was becoming you know of sexual being or, you know, yeah. whatever. And I remember Dawn and this girl named Lisa kind of the next day at lunch, I um, was about to start eating my lunch, which was a piece of chicken. I remember distinctly. <laughs> <laughs> and they came to my table and they said, we need to talk to you. And they got so serious and they said, I remember... I remember the the thing that I remember the most is like, uh, we think that you're, it's cute. It's sweet that you're kind of like, you know, you put some makeup on and you're kind of thinking that you're, you know, but you're getting a little too big for your own britches. Oh. I remember that. And I remember picking at the chicken because I was so angry. I couldn't eat. And so there was all of that dynamic happening of me trying to come to become a fully realized, start to become a fully realized woman or, you know, or a girl, a young woman or something. And (laughs) you have all these people around you dictating how you're going to do that, including your friends, people that you thought were your friends. So 
it was weird. It's, you know, I don't even know why I started t- telling that story. What was the question? It was oh, just- I, we were just talking about sort of like how you how you came off to people and sort of how you were thought of and, you know, the way in which you you were social in yeah. when you were in high school and stuff. Oh, so that's... But like, wow, crippling to have... We've talked about, you know, so many of us have had experiences like to that too. To keep you down. To just you have in your that place. weird... And that's like, a, that's like the, the more sort of passive bullying, that sort of passive aggressive, like... The was, people who were bullied as who are socially ostracized outside a group, and then the people who were bullied inside of their own social circle, and they're both just oh, and it was so all painful. masked in this like we're looking out for you. You don't mm. want to change that much. You really are, you know. We like you the way you are. Don't be going getting too crazy, different, and flirty, and all that kind of stuff. And I was, <laughs> but so. So that's a because these are girls that I really looked up to. They were the most popular girls. They were the ones that let me into their crowd. And so I to deal with that information, it happened to be the same year that my parents split too. So in eighth grade was a big year for me. I was starting to become really interested in boys and 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 they and trying to get them interested in me and then having friends going don't even think that you can do that cuz we hold that part of this court you know yeah. and and then my mom going you don't need a man you don't need a man so then like from age 14 to 18 i was like uh i would date a guy find you know finally like see find somebody that was interested in me and i was interested in them and after four weeks, I would grow v- v- sick of them. Like I would feel nauseous if they came around because my mind was saying, you don't need a man, you, you know, all of this stuff of like, I'm going to have to do certain things with them that like it will lead to sex. And that's a scary thing. And I, I had a traumatic experience. Like I lost my virginity when I was 14 and I didn't really mean to, <laughs> it was, it was not, it was not full on. I wasn't fully on raped, but I, it just wasn't you the were way. Ready. Yeah, yeah, I was not ready. And I, I never got, because my mom and dad were going through so much turmoil in their relationship, I never really got the talk about sex or how to deal with it. And I was the only girl in the household. So all the information I got was from listening, overhearing my brothers, which my brothers were trying to lose it oh, quick. Yeah. And that's what boys did, especially yeah. around other boys. They were like, oh, I'm going to fuck that, you know. Mm-hmm they it was a whole different thing and i I thought maybe that's just how i'm supposed just get rid get get it done it's not and that guy tried to do it and i was like okay and then i so so after because that was 14 is that one of the things that you would change yeah Yeah. oh yeah i would i would have i would have I would have had my mom sit me down and talk to me and really kind of like focus in on me and my development. I would <laughs> I would have made her do that and I wouldn't I w- I wouldn't have gotten myself in that situation if I could have changed that. That would have been that would have been great. But it it, it didn't happen like that. So I have to kind of deal with what had the way it happened. And subsequently, the four years after that, I didn't have sex again until I was 18 years old. And 
and that was a whole other ball game of crazy. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. So it's, but that's my experience. And it's something that I have always wanted because I have nieces that are, you know, 17, eight, uh, 17, 16 and 14 right now. And they're going through it. They're going, mm. they're going through it. And I, I so desperately want to kind of tell them my experience and just lay it all on the line and try and, and try and just, um, not tell them to do, to follow or not do what I did or, or follow in somebody else's footsteps or, or follow in my footsteps, any of that. I just want to share with them so they can, I think knowledge is power. Information is power, not just book knowledge, but, but experience knowledge. I, I, I think, I, I think it's, um, it can only empower a young woman to hear what it's like to go through. And I, I hate that we kind of like hide it and we don't share it enough. I think every, I think every young girl should be <laughs> told by their mo- mother about vibrators. I think a vibrator is a lovely thing. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I, everything you're saying is music to my ears. What an empowering thing to allow, uh, pleasure yourself and to find that it's so empowering. And I didn't feel, get my first vibrator until I was in my mid 20s, late 20s. And that sucks. I wish I would have had it. (laughs) I mean, uh, I read a book by this lovely woman named Sark. I don't know if you're... Oh, yeah. Yeah. She just did that color, that uh, uh, um, paint... uh, watercolor books that she was an artist plus a writer. I have the one that's like something magenta, Mm -hmm. something that I just love and I can't remember what it's called, but it's nearby somewhere too. Like, I feel like, I feel like we've already like discussed half of the things on my bookshelf by accident. (laughs) Yeah, she's amazing. And she, um, she had a whole chapter in the first book that I read about her that, or by her saying, get a vibrator, vibrator, vibrators are great. (laughs) And I yes, love it. They are. They are. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. I couldn't agree more. And I think uh, to your point, pre-vibrator, but also including vibrator, um, <laughs> is that it is. It's it's a much. Is it's it's not about telling someone else, telling anyone else, be it you know uh, somebody who's your peer, somebody who's your in your in a relationship with, somebody who's your child, somebody who your mentor, anybody, your your nieces, that you're not telling them something so that you are somehow able to like fill up a, a a a needle full of you know what i mean fill up a vial full of your information and just inject it into their veins and now they're good to go it's about expressing yourself so that they learn in turn a how to express themselves back to other people so that they can have that community and sense of sharing and support but also to really we're all trying i feel like so many of us are trying to just be better about listening to ourselves yeah what's my internal voice saying am i ready to have sex with this person am i not it's okay if i'm not it's okay if i am but to be authentic in that way and to and to sort of really trust the relationship that you have to your mind and to your heart and i think that that it's really hard to do that. It's yeah. hard to be to internalize in that kind of a healthy way. It's really easy to internalize in a kind of anxious, you know, self-critical way, but it's hard to internalize in a really loving, compassionate way and to like ask yourself questions and to sit with your feelings and to be honest about them. 
Absolutely. And I also think that like talk, talking and sharing can only create support communities, uh, like positive communities among women. Uh, I, I want, I, I like I, I would love to share th- these experiences with my niece because I want them to feel comfortable with sharing with me their experiences and I want to support and uplift them because I just don't think that I, I don't know if we're that's innate or uh, maybe it is innate but maybe society doesn't really want like there's just so much competition between women that can really kind of um uh, uh deflate that possibility not allow for women to just go i i had this experience and then go oh shoot i had a very similar experience and god i wish that we could have like uh, i i love that we can talk and feel like we're normal people and it's all pain and it's all wonderful and there's a lot of fear in the world and everything's okay like wouldn't it be great we could all just kind of yes do this what we're doing right now on a and so it's only been because of the therapy that I've had to to combat all of these stuff that's come up in my my thirties, uh, based off of what I experienced twenty years prior. Um, in the last few years, I've cultivated these amazing relationships with four or five strong, amazing women in my age group, and uh, I don't think I could. I never did that before before this. Uh, it's a, it's it's imperative to me to have these strong relationships, female relationships. It never was before. It was I was always kind of real friendly with guys, and um, that doesn't work for me anymore. Uh, I I I need the female point of view. I totally agree, and I want to I'm gonna uh support what you're saying by also saying, and I know that your experience was different with, you know, you moving out with your mom, but like her kind of needing to focus on her stuff because she was going through divorce and all of that. So I don't know where that comes from for you necessarily, although I have a sense of it from what you've told me uh, up to this point, but, and you know, your comfort with guys, because you were around more guys than girls in your, in your family relationships. And my dad and I were very close and my, and I had, I think my issue with, I mean, I've always had good girlfriends agreed, but I think for me, same thing, like in the last sort of like maybe for me 10 years, but, um, but I really had huge trust, trust issues with women. You know, I did everything that you're describing. I, because from, for me, mine was, you know, because of my mom, because we just had a really bad relationship when I was little. And, um, and it breaks my heart to say that. I wish it weren't true because I know I'm responsible for a part of that also. You know, I was a kid, but I'm, I still feel responsible. And um, and so I think I, I did. I really had trust issues with women. I just was worried about trusting them. Yeah. And, um, and I found it very easy to trust guys. Like, as friends, you know, I'm not saying, you know, that I was like, you know, just throwing all my trust at like a relationship. But, um, but really, really strong friendships with men. And I value them all so much, but that's very comfortable for me. And it took me a long time to sort of understand how thirsty I was for that relationship with women, for that just like trust and acceptance and lack of competition and lack of feeling judged and just feeling, instead feeling really seen and understood in a way that 
maybe you you can only share with your own gender, you know? Oh, and the support that is possible, the like the cheerleading, the 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 you know, the um you can get a fan out of a friend. Th- that for another woman to be like I have this amazing uh friend who's just so so supportive. So I you know, when I call her, she's like she will just it's it's unbelievable and i think that it when you hear that kind of support from your same gender you believe it a little bit more or or you tr- you do you, you trust it a little bit more some, yeah i do i mean there is something different about if it if they somehow. can get over the competition or the you know like uh i want her to feel bad so i can feel good type of thing because i think that's kind of innately or it's no so it's not innate but it's it not innate so but pervasive. it's it's taught yeah I think we're supposed to be competitive within our own gender. And when you can hear support from another woman, I believe it that much more than I do from a man because um, uh, from a man, I have to believe there's a slight agenda to get in my pants. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there may be. If a woman can tell me that I'm beautiful, I I believe it that much more. Mm. I don't know why, but that's just kind of, it it just, it just, it just carries more weight for some reason. Mm. And, I'll tell you, I'll take that. I'll take it wherever I can get it because in this world, it just doesn't happen enough. People yeah. are mean. People cut down too much. I, I, I think when people can build people up, that's where I want to be. That's those are the people that I want to be around. Yeah. Um, and you know, I also grew up in a in a household full of boys that they tend to tease each other. There's a lot of teasing. There's a and I was my dad was a phys ed teacher and a coach, so it was all about competition, sport competition, life competition. Are you as good as your brother? Are you as you know? Uh, we'll beat you. The two against us. You know, two against two. We're gonna. There was so much shit slung in my family and teasing and poking fun and, and it was all in good fun, but it felt terrible and I can't stand it. I really yeah. don't love it now. So the idea of building someone up and complimenting people, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. It is. It's like a delicious meal. It's oh. just like a beautiful, delicious meal that and, you're like, oh, I'm going to treasure this. And how beautiful it is, is it when you meet somebody? I have a tendency lately to really just immediately compliment somebody that I meet, like just whether it's say, oh my God, I love that scarf. The lighting up that happens is priceless. It's, I it's, I, you, it you costs nothing, costs nothing, but it gets you so far. <laughs> and I don't mean like to use it in a way to get things, but like to immediately just n- let, uh, let them feel comfortable and yeah. let them feel good about themselves. It just relaxes a person. I think so too. It's just so much easier to be in a so- social situation when people are relaxed and not trying to prove themselves. And everybody knows LA is all about everybody's trying to prove themselves everywhere. Yeah. I, I feel that way all the time. And it's a real hard thing to try and repress or, or to deal with. So how wonderful is it when you kind of can walk into a situation just socially go, you're awesome. Oh my God, you're so beautiful. Yes, yes. And then they go, thanks. (laughs) And and they're your best friends and everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I totally agree. I'm staring. I'm looking down at the binder because we are. Uh, oh. <laughs> we've we've closed in on our our time frame, and Kathleen brought this. She brought a binder of some things that she's organized from through her life. Um, I invited her if she had anything from when she was a, an adolescent that she maybe wanted to read, something that she wrote, anything like that um, to bring with her, and she did. And uh, and I'm I'm wondering if you want. You totally don't have to. We can this uh, is, do no, another episode, another time where we focus on that kind of stuff listen. too. But. No. I would love to hear from from fifteen year old Kathleen or however you were, were old you were when you read I that. Was, That'd be beautiful. This is my first poem, and I wrote it. Yeah, it's the doozy. Get ready. And I love it. I, listen, I can't believe that I told you that when I lost my virginity. I can't believe I mentioned the period eggs. And <laughs> now, and, I mean, this is you, you. You took a lot out of me, and now I cannot believe that I'm sharing this with you because this is really embarrassing well, if you change your mind about anything we can no, no, edit no. it out but um no but i i love it and that's what this is all about it's, <laughs> it's embarrassing and you know what though that's the the other thing is like like I, if i'm not willing to share even with people that are strangers there's nothing it's ultimately not embarrassing it's not something that i'm I am who I am and and that and part of those experiences made me who I am so I'm not going to now and side come note on. nobody is going to read what their 14-year-old poetry and go I was great. Listen, that was This is amazing. the best work I've ever done. How sad would that be? What if you read that poem and you were <laughs> that, like... That's when you peaked? I have never... Yeah. I am not... I'll never I, get close I, to what I was. That was it for me. I should yeah. quit now. No, I think I'm getting better with age. Okay, definitely. I think you probably are You'll too. see. But we're going to do that and then we're going to do one other quick thing and then we're going to call it a... We're going to call it a podcast. This is, uh, when, this is my first poem that I ever wrote and it was in an English class when I was in... I believe I was 12 years old. 12 years old. Okay, I'm really Mind excited you, this. It's titled Death. Okay. <laughs> She's ready for it, ladies and gentlemen. Death by Kathy Perkins. And this is the page, this is the paper that I wrote it in. This is my original. It's, I'm seeing it, this I can is see it. My bubbly, I want to say it's a little yellow with age. It's like a parchment. Bubbly. It is a piece of parchment it's paper. Great. But it's also, don't worry guys, it's also just regular school paper with blue lines. Yeah, and uh, bubbly writing. It is bubbly writing. God, that makes it even better. Maybe I'll take a snap. Maybe I can take a snapshot of the bubbly writing to this put is, on that website. I will. Yeah, you're, you're going to want to okay. after this. Death, after you hear this. Death by Kathy Perkins. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> death. Oh, wait, I read that wrong. This is... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start over. Death I'm start over. by take Kathy two, Perkins. Death? Because there's a question mark. Oh, I love it. Yeah, thank you. Death? <laughs> is it peaceful, beautiful, or kind? Do you leave your body but take your mind? Why hasn't anyone found out what death is? And tell people awaiting... Telling people lying in their hospital beds decaying. Even telling people healthy and fine, but fine, but, oh, oh, wait. But having something horrible hiding inside, like a heart attack, an ulcer, or even anxiety. So I guess ulcers create death. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways. Ooh, this is the best line. Get ready. <clears throat> like a heart attack, an ulcer, or even ulcer, or even anxiety. I want an answer, not a lie. I want reality. 
that's trying so hard not to laugh because the, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Two exclamation points but after this is reality. Wonder, but this is really good still. Wait, like get, you get, ask, oh, wait, 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 not done. Questions. I'm not done. Does anyone on this planet know? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will live my life one day at a time, but I hope I am not one to have something evil inside. The end. Oh my I, God, I love it. I wrote the end. I love too. it, but that's super existential. You were like in it already at 12. You were thinking. Yeah, I gave it to my teacher Can and I, I remember. Really yes. I just um, want to see the bubbly writing. Yeah. The, I Should I take a picture of it? Yeah, okay. go for it. I gave it to my teacher thinking. Oh man, this is not really interesting or important or deep or I don't know, oh, whatever. And I gave it to him and he looked, read it and was like a little bit shocked, a little bit like taken aback. Um, not because it was good or that it was, you know, anything, anything like that. I'm not bragging. It's just, I was so not, I never presented myself like that. I was this, Real happy go lucky, whatever. Everything's fine. I think he fine. probably was really he impressed. He was like, "Whoa, she's she's ta- she's thinking about some real dark shit." I think that's amazing. I'm stunned by that. There All right. you go. <laughs> that was amazing, and I'm very proud of little Kathy Perkins well, for thanks. asking the tough questions. I hope that none of you have uh, anxiety or an ulcer or what was the other one? Cancer, heart attack. Heart attack. Oh, it is interesting that a heart attack and then an ulcer can cause death or anxiety. Ooh, ding, ding, bingo, bingo. What's that? What's that say? What was going on with you? Freudian. We're going, we're going way lighter. (laughs) We're going from death to playing the game mash. Oh, what's that? (laughs) Um, Let me draw that for you. And then you can tell me uh, if it looks familiar. Okay. Did you ever play what something the that show? looked like Does it this have anything to do no oh yeah you, this is Wait, mansion, mansion apartment, apartment shack, shack house. house okay so yeah. this is for uh if you were still 15 years old um it doesn't have to be if you're 15 years old it could be like you're this is what when you in high school who you <laughs> would have picked if you had been like i want to be you know i would pick you know I'm, I'm trying to think of anyone like i would pick bono or whatever yeah. you know back then or it can be like Kathleen is transformed into single girl who gets to just pick any famous person she wants from history or whatever right to on. marry. And then we will um, find out how many kids you have, what kind of car you drove, uh, like all that kind of stuff. So we're going to do some fortune telling here. I Can I also say that like uh, I just somebody from my high school just posted on Facebook the um, these <laughs> these books to, of that they used to. Uh, have of all these students so they'd have your picture and then they'd have like a questionnaire uh and she posted the page of (gasps) me little kathy perkins at the age of 13 and i'll tell you my favorite car back then apparently was a ferrari yes my favorite bands uh but it was listed as groups but i guess we just called them groups yeah i think that seems bands were white snake and uh Need poison you, oh you love the hair bands loved them and uh or you thought someone else wanted you to think they were cool so you said that you thought that they were that this is the one that indicates i was trying yeah. to be cool my favorite subject in school lunch <laughs> 
smart ass i was like by the way you were a nerd who helped tutor other kids big nerd big That's nerd hilarious. always trying had, so hard yeah to be. from the ages of, from second grade on up i was oh man nerd. all right you just gave me a, you just gave me an idea um <laughs> Uh okay, so give me three uh, guys that you might end up married to. Wait, am I talking for my fifteen? Could be any. Self, could be or? whatever you want, other than that. Like we know that you picked Christopher, so we're good on that. But oh, like, okay. It could be like you love, you know, Paul David Newman. Lynch. Oh, there we go. John Bon Jovi, love it, and Jaman Hansu. <laughs> Do you I, know who that I'm is? I'm afraid that I don't know who that is. He, did you ever see Amistad? Oh, the yes. big beautiful black he is man, gorgeous. Who is who? Give us us yeah. free. Um, yeah, he's, he's he's like Idris Elba. He's I'm, gorgeous. I'm, I'm obsessed by yeah Idris Elba. Okay, that's great. Yeah. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, a city that you live in. Oh, uh, well, we'll say we'll say we'll say Rome. Great. We will say um um the so. Oh, like a cool city that I'd like to live in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A fantasy city. You could be like the moon. Uh, the moon. <laughs> um the moon. I'm gonna go with the moon. Great. Why not? Might be a little lonely, but you can well, let's assume you have a way to get back to Earth whenever yeah, you want. Yeah, let's assume that it's populated and things are happening yeah. up on the moon. There's a nightlife and There's stuff. A, a hot night. Swinging night. Swinging nightlife. <laughs> Thank you. Couldn't even think of the word. Couldn't even think of the word. Um and I'm gonna go wait, I said the Rome, Rome the moon. moon. Come on, I'm so stupid. Uh, uh I wanna go to a place I've never been. <laughs> And then live there. Like I've been to the moon. <laughs> the moon. <laughs> so for the third one, pick a place you've never been. Not like the first two. <laughs> oh, no. I'm going to go with my favorite national park. Olympic National Park. Oh, love it. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> love everything about it. We had a... We mutually geeked out about national parks right before the podcast started. Um, three uh, different pets. Uh, well, um, African gray parrot. Mm-hmm. Let's just go there. Um, I'm going to say, uh, a, uh, greyhound. Oh, and I, I'm going to go with a, um, a tiger. Great. Love it. Okay. These are the right kinds of answers. <laughs> now this is a new addition based on your list that you were just describing. Ooh. Um, we do, we are going to do cars in a second, but I'm going to say if you could have a band like play for you live whenever you wanted. <laughs> when I get married. When oh married. yeah. <laughs> sure. It could be that. Oh, a band. Oh, a band. Well, bare naked ladies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Back when they were bare naked ladies with, with Steven, uh, I can't remember his last name, but yeah, okay. the whole, the, the you BNL. Know. Yeah. Got it. Um, well, Jason Mraz is not a band, but That's he's totally my fine. favorite little singer. We'll say, we won't say a, a group or a band. It could right? be a person. And then I'm going to have to go with like, I got to go with like Bon Jovi. Right. It's going to be interesting if you end up married to him. That was my 13 year old self. Yeah. Well, it's appropriate then we'll find out i'll get yeah you might get you have you just gave yourself a double chance at having him in your life (laughs) good job super sneaky (laughs) um three jobs anything national park ranger love it uh veterinarian love it uh and um i'm just gonna say a stay-at-home wife Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because that is a job people Mm -hmm. that's right (laughs) okay love everything that's happening love it all uh number of kids 
<sighs> it could include zero. I'm going to go zero. Mm-hmm. Oh, one. <laughs> this is what I did my entire life. My entire, and I love kids, but my entire life, I was like, can it be three zeros? I'm like, it's yeah, terrible. Right? It's terrible. No, and I don't feel that way now. I would say, I guess I would say zero, one, and two now, but still, I would keep zero in there. Yeah. Zero. I'm a terrible person. Yeah. No, you're not. Zero, one. Hey, and you're not. Here's two. another thing. Here's another thing. I I'm know, a woman I know. who's in my late 30s who wants to not have kids that's totally and great. not get be, be married totally great just and did a segment about that want you to feel i know i know not i'm not even, i don't mean that i'm a terrible totally person great. but yeah. it's just okay mm-hmm. to be that person it's okay to be a woman yes. and not want children and it was that's something huge that i had yeah. to come to terms with is to be that's a good therapy topic. it's okay yeah that's a big one trust me um been in it <laughs> i'm le- i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you uh zero zero and zero if that's you don't mind so we're not you know what i'm gonna take that column out no Why i want to do that? five. Oh, great okay because if it's with paul newman i'm oh, fine okay. with making five zero, babies. five <laughs> and how many and uh and and two okay great no yeah two love it yeah love it um so let me just do one more because why not so i'm just gonna come up with something um uh car forgot oh, what kind of car car you know you have to say ferrari <laughs> you ferrari. don't have to say ferrari a ferrari a ferrari yeah i'd like one of right. those <laughs> and i'd like ferrari. i would like an aston martin mm, nice and i like the volt Great. Okay, now, uh, uh, Chevy. Tell Bolt. me when to stop. Now. Great. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, is this when you did okay, the circle? Okay, here's ten. Yeah, I'm gonna pause it real quick, and then I'm gonna when I pick back up, we're gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna reveal your future. Hold your horses. Okay, we are finishing up the podcast with the results from your mash, Kathleen Rose Perkins, oh, a.k.a. Kathy Perkins, okay. a.k.a. author of the poem, Death, <laughs> Death. question mark. <laughs> you are, uh-huh. I'm going to start with my, I'm going to start, okay, you're, first of all, you're a stay-at-home wife. All right. But you don't uh, have any kids. <laughs> I, uh, I better live in a mansion. So you're a stay-at-home wife in a, what I can only imagine is a very nice apartment since mm. you are married to John Bon Jovi. <gasps> oh, okay. All right. And your apartment is nestled in Olympic National Park. That's right, bitches. <laughs> I knew you'd be happy about that. Oh. You, whenever you want, can have Jason Mraz come and play for I'll you. I'll take it. And oh, that's, you wander, that's scary for John. Uh, you hike around uh, Olympic Park trying to convince yourself not to cheat on your husband, John Bon Jovi, with Jason Mraz. Right. With your Greyhound. Oh, nice. And sometimes you get in your Aston Martin and uh, <gasps> you drive somewhere it. fantastic. That's kind of an amazing and strange life you've just created So we for really spent the money on the cars, but not so much on the, ap- <laughs> on the living. Listen, there are some apartments that I've been to in New York City that are worth millions of dollars. I bet you the apartments in Olympic National Park are really You lovely. know it's like an apartment that is like just a has a house. super high window. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like a beautiful... Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be hot. It's going to be it's really It's going to be one great. heck of a life. I can't like wait this to quivering start. greyhound that you've rescued from some horrible circumstance. And he um, gets to run around national. It's great. Come on. It's a great life. I'll take it. Uh, thank you so much. This uh, has been such a pleasure. My pleasure. A total blast. Thank you. Uh, I can't wait to come over and meet your birds and uh, <laughs> foster this friendship. Absolutely. Me too. All right, guys. We will uh, talk to you next time on the podcast. Bye. Bye. 
always, the JV Club theme song is Before We Were Brittle, courtesy of the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.